Hi, it's Joy Francis here, one half of Black Love Bites podcast. Welcome to the latest episode. Just an alert, due to some technical issues during recording, the sound levels are variable, but it is too good a conversation for us to deprive you of. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Black Love Bites with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isle. And again, more excitement. We're very excited we've got our second guest. We are so excited. <laughs> and what can I say about this wonderful woman? Natalie Bloom is a relationship coach, writer, social entrepreneur and podcaster dedicated to helping people improve their emotional and relationship literacy. Through her world-renowned blog, Baggage Reclaim, which is read in more than 130 countries and books, she has been inspiring and educating people about how to improve self-esteem, engage in healthier relationships, explore why they get into shady ones, and how to break habits and patterns, laughing, and patterns which are holding them back from their true selves for over a decade. Welcome, Natalie. Welcome, Natalie. Thank uh, you for coming. Hello, ladies. Thank you for having me. Well, today, you know, obviously in the last podcast we spoke about sex with Erica Wusu. Yeah. Well, I want to look, um, I'm going to refer to a quote, uh, Natalie, you are renowned for your quotes on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, you're putting Ianna Van Sant out of business with your affirmations. Um, so, one I want to read to you, remember that you are an equal party in a relationship and you don't have to give, do or put up with anything that you don't want to. Yes, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Uh, you know, I just, I see people carrying on as if they, they don't have options, that they don't have agency, you know, like a say over, you know, the, their life, the ability to shape their circumstances, and they carry on as if, oh, there's this person, and they're really into them, okay, well now I have to bow down to them, I have to audition for them, I have to beg them for a relationship, I have to do whatever they want me to do, otherwise, they won't be with me. And it's like, next thing you know, we have no boundaries. And we don't like ourselves, and we do not have to put up with anything that we don't want to put up with. But we carry on as if we do. Can I step in and just ask who the we is? I think you're being really polite, because a lot of times in those situations we are talking about women. Yeah. Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the time. Not all of the time, because no. you'd be amazed at how many guys I hear from yeah. in the passage. But women, we have been socialised to be meek and mild mm. and kind and sweet and not make waves and not cause trouble and all this type of thing. So we think that we have to be the good girls all the time. But it's interesting, mm-hmm. I just want to step in here a bit and say, when it comes to black women in particular, a lot of the time, we're the narrative is that we make waves and we cause trouble yeah. and we're too loud and we're too assertive, yeah. that's why we're single yeah. or we struggle within relationships. Well, you see so what I mean? There's a sort so of different... Yeah, we believe this, right? Because yeah. this, is the, this is the narrative that we... Angry black woman. Exactly, mm. yeah. And actually, as women, we, we, we have that in our head, that narrative, don't we? Because yeah. we don't want to be seen to be the angry black woman. So yeah. we, we change our behaviours so that we're not seen as that. You know? And the funny thing is, is those times when we think that we are the angry black woman, we really are. Mm. But even if we are angry on occasion, we are actually allowed exactly. to be angry and to express ourselves. Well, if I say something about it, then I'm going to jeopardise my chances of being in a relationship. But the thing is, how many relationships have you been in where you don't speak up and you feel happy in that relationship? I want to come back to a, well, statistics that we've already discussed when we were talking about dating, but I want to 
reiterate it because actually it's really relevant to the topics there about relationship. So when we um, asked the question um, around how many people were in relationships or um, dating, but more importantly, what was the most common advice that they wanted from their parents, 60% um, said, yes, we would really love to get more advice from our parents on relationships, whereas only 12% said the advice they would have wanted from their parents was on dating. Um, and yet we spent so much time since we started this podcast looking at dating mm. because um, despite wanting to know more about um, relationships, the absence in relation to dating seems to demand a lot of our time and attention because that's a huge gap to fill. Mm. Does that surprise you, Natalie, that, that actually that's, that's where we want the help? That may mirror why and explain why we are, there seems to be a lack of confidence around our roles in relationships yeah. and what, what we can do. Dating is a relatively new concept here, certainly. Uh, dating is something that was typically regarded as an American thing, you know, date night, Saturday night, a date night, all this time. We didn't have that. It was going out. You went out, you had some drinks, you hung out, you had a snog, you saw each other again, you saw each other again. Next thing you know, okay, so yeah, we're in a relationship and you were in one until such time as you said that you were. That's how it used to be. But because of online dating, I think that that has completely shifted our approach. Because back in the day, when Americans were talking about dating, they would often talk about multiple dating and you know, date night and hot dates and all this type of stuff. And we were just going out. Whereas now there is this whole thing of, of you know, uh, you've got Tinder, you've got Bumble, you've got Hitch, okay, Cupid, eHarmony, all these different things. And the social activity of meeting up with somebody. Now what's happening is, a lot of those instances get diverted to sexual activity. Mm. But a lot of people are still doing that and thinking, oh, but I'm also looking for a relationship. And I say to people, so why did you fall for them? And they go, well, you know, they were tall. We got chatting. We both like watching EastEnders. You know, we both like bungee jumping, whatever. We would get a laugh together. Oh, we were, yeah, like the sex is just amazing. And, you know, and then I just thought, yeah, yeah, we fall for each other. And I said, well, that's great. It's just one of the problems with that. None of those things have got anything to do with compatibility mm. and whether your emotional needs are going to be met in a relationship. Mm. That's why you're happy. Mm. That's and why the relationship is working. I, I so hear that. And, and, and I think as well, from, from kind of my experiences and also from talking to people as well, it's almost this idea that, that you know, you, you do the dating or whatever it is, or you come together, however you come together, um, and then that's once you're kind of established, that's the end of the journey. And it's really almost the like beginning. it's the beginning of the journey, yeah. right? And that's where the work actually begins because mm -hmm. how do you then sustain that? Yeah. How do you then build on that? How do you then find out actually who that person is? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because in those early days, you don't know who that person is. My one of my favorite quotes of all time is Chris Rock from Big Run Blacker. When you first meet somebody, it's not them you're meeting, it's their representative. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I say this to people all the time. Mm -hmm. So I always say to people there's five stages to relationships. Mm. And so you've got stage zero, which is where you either haven't met yet because you've just come across each other online, or you have met but you haven't been on that first date. Then there's stage one where you go out on these dates. Uh, but you're only getting to know each other superficially because we all know representatives come back, you're wearing your best drawers, you put on your best performance, you're like, oh, you know, I work as this, exaggerate your job and carry on. But you don't really have any skin in the game at this point, mm. you're not in a relationship. 
And I say to people, unless you have mutually agreed mm. and said out loud, the whole exclusivity Yeah, question. you are in a relationship, yeah. you know, and, and what that means to each of you, you ain't in a relationship. Mm. Yeah. So then I say from stage two is where you have mutually agreed that you're in a relationship, and this is where now things start to evolve. And this is the discovery phase part two, because this is where the real getting to know begins. And this is where a lot of people come across us, because obviously you now start to establish a relationship, and there can be a power struggle, because sometimes one person's going, well, I think things should be done this way, and the other one's going, no, I want to do it this way. And it's and, because and the representative has gone on holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're going, uh, hold on a second. But I think that what happens at this particular stage is people assume that big ticket things like, I don't know, one time people are really attached to time and title. Oh, well, they're still on the girlfriend, they're still on the partner, they're still on whatever. But they've also, wow, we've been together for one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Mm. Yeah, but funny how there's so many people who've been together for that long, but they are actually in a relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, time and titles have nothing to do with intimacy because the stages of relationship are based on intimacy. You don't go to stage three and four unless you've actually deepened in intimacy and you're willing to go to those vulnerable levels. Mm -hmm. And so what I say to people is that a lot of the time we're assuming that who we meet in the very early stages of dating is who we're still going to get further down the road. Mm -hmm. And then they go, what happened to that great guy from the beginning? Where did they go? Why can't we go back to how it was in the beginning? Because uh, you were strangers <laughs> back then. It's like we're afraid they're getting to know people. But what there seems to be this avoidance that's going on. Yeah, um, uh, you know, outside of this avoidance of asking the question, because actually, ultimately, why you don't ask the question is that you don't want to hear the answer. Because hey, yeah, the only answer you want to hear is the yes, mm. which is ridiculous. Mm. Because ultimately, you're entering into a situation where, if it works, it's about to me being part of a team of course yeah. and, in, and that you invest in you have you know see where you've got the shared values you have a shared vision that's work and that's commitment yet you want to build that on sand but it just seems i find it really interesting that you'll go around the houses do all these things and have imaginary conversations because sometimes i've spoken <laughs> to people and i'm like but yeah but did you say that tim though yeah. And they think they have, and they're like, you know what, that was in your head. Mm -hmm. And it was so real yeah. to you. Yeah. That is very worrying, you know. And, and I, I, I'm just really curious about this whole, one thing I still want to talk about, obviously, was about rejection. Because it's almost like you fear it so much, mm. rather than the fact that you were allowing this person to say no to you because they're not the right person for you and free you up for the person who yeah. want to be right for you. But I, I do find that, and particularly with women that I know, who are engaging in that process to some degree, I hear it more from the woman's side, that you get fixated, mm. like he's the one for me, he just doesn't know it. Mm. Yeah. It's like, mm, mm, no. that's not how it works. And I think those movies don't help. No. So like Mills and Booth Monson from years ago don't yeah. help. And I think it's just in our DNA, but also we're not talking to each other about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, this is the whole thing is I think that we get very set on this idea, we get fixated on I need to be with this person. Mm -hmm. I have to be with this person. I, I hear a lot. We just have this amazing connection. I feel oh, it between us. Mm -hmm. I know that they want me. I know that they like me. And I say, listen, all you feel is the connection on your side of things, right? <laughs> and even if they feel that connection too, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to them. Mm -hmm. You might be somebody who's like, when I feel this level of connection, I think this means I am in love and we must stay together forever and ever more. Well, you know, they feel that connection with every woman in the office. Yeah. <laughs> you don't very know. good point. Very good point. So yeah. Very, very but good point. But I think point. as well, we, we start convincing ourselves. I, I, I've always referred to this as, as the justifying zone. 
So, where so many people mistake emotional intimacy for sexual intimacy, yeah. right? Yeah. And then what happens is, and this is particularly a female thing, that we think that sex has some sort of capital, that putting down a deposit on a relationship, right? And so what we do is we become involved with somebody, we start sleeping with them, and the thing is, I always say to people, if you can't handle the emotional consequences of sleeping with somebody and going to that level, don't do so until you can, right? Mm -hmm. So that might mean holding off, but what a lot of people do is go, oh, but if I don't sleep with them, then they're going to basically toss me out to somebody else, which is already telling you about the true nature of the relationship. So then what happens is we move too quickly on ourselves, we breach our boundaries, sleep with them, and then we go to the justifier zone. So now what we have to do is we go back and we look for reasons to justify why we slept with them in the first place or why we've breached our boundaries. A big challenge that people have is they don't know the difference between core values and what I call secondary values. Mm. So core values is like your character and the values that speak for the direction that you want to take your life. So, you know, what type of relationships do you want to have? You know, uh, your financial values, your religious values and all the rest. Now, if you don't share core values where it counts, your relationship ain't going nowhere, no matter how great the sex is, no matter if fireworks are shooting out your backside, whatever, <laughs> your relationship is not going anywhere good. What people do is they do the, but we have so much in common. And what they focus on, what they have in common, is the superficial stuff. Personality ain't the same character. So they go, oh, well, it is and it's that. But the personality, that's just how we want to come across to people. They focus on hobbies and interests. You don't need to be an upstanding character to be really good at tennis. What people are actually want is they want a crystal ball. Mm. They want to look at it and the crystal ball goes, yes, go ahead. You're going to stay together until the year 2049. No, they only want you for sex. It's all going to be done and dusted in three months. They would love it. So how would we learn anything unless we actually cut our teeth on our own experiences? But of course, look, our parents, you know, when I think, I was thinking about this when I was coming up here this morning, I think it's my parents never spoke to me about relationships, compatibility, needs. You must be joking. Like, we are that, we're, we're those generations. Parents don't talk to us about nothing. Well, what they want to do is they want to tell you all the things you don't do. Boys are only out for one thing. You better not be doing nothing, bring it home pregnant. All these, all these different, yeah. all these different yeah. things. Yeah. I, I went to talk, I taught this workshop to kids a few months ago about um, feelings and uh, doing vision boarding. And so I talked about, talked about 100 kids over the course of the day. So when I said at the start of each one, I said, I teach grown-ups how to figure out their feelings and to figure out what they want and what they need. And they were looking at me like, what? And I said, you know why? Because unlike you guys, when we were little, nobody ever talked to us <laughs> about <right>. feelings <laughs> and needs and what to say. Feelings, dish. Quiet, go back to it. Go outside, do some jobs and whatever. You know, it's like, it's, the yeah. need, I think that word need is quite interesting about um, needs. Uh, was seen as a weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not supposed to don't yeah. need nobody. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I've heard that one as well. Yeah. But yeah. actually, it's interesting because it leads into because you know another thing that we did was we asked people what what kinds of advice they did if they did get any advice from their parents what kinds of advice they did and it's it's quite nice to to kind of lead into this because it says one person says that their I think this was their mother their mum told them don't be too available. Yeah. Speak less. Listen yeah. and watch more. Be empathetic. Remember, people are deep. Things are often below the surface. And I wanted to mention that because you talk a lot about being um, empathetic, but not being over empathetic. Yeah. So I wanted to know if you I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about that. Well, I think that um, 
we think that being empathetic is basically making up a whole big old story about who that person is, what they're doing. Oh, the, the, the reason why, you know, we haven't talked about a relationship even though we've been together for 10 years is because they're shy and they're scared. And, you know, their pet budgie died when they were five. <laughs> and that's what makes it really, really difficult for them to talk about all these awkward things. And we start making up all of this stuff. Or we go, well, you know, they had a really difficult childhood and they experienced abuse. Now, we might have actually been through that experience, but we use that. And after a while, we ignore the truth mm. of what is what that person is really all about. And over-empathy is when we don't just kind of imagine ourselves in another person's shoes. We put ourselves in that person's shoes. We forget really what's going on. We start projecting all of our own stuff onto it. We adjust our boundaries. We start changing up our expectations. We don't need to take over and hijack the person. We don't need to lower our boundaries. We don't need to lower our standards. What we do need to do is realize as well, if we're going to be in a relationship with somebody, empathy is absolutely critical, mm. right? Because, you know, if they don't have empathy, you're not an sociopath or a narcissist yeah. or something mm. along the lines of that. But we also need to learn how to stay in our own lane in the sense that I think that women in particular, you know, they say, oh, you know, be understanding and empathetic. Mm. How many boys, you know, were told years ago, oh, be empathetic? <laughs> they weren't, though. Well, no, this is this dodgy female, yes, this dodgy female advice. Mm. And so you know, it, it, when I think back, you know, I looked at the, I was thinking about the examples in my family, and even my grandparents before my grandmother passed away, they get about 50 years, mm. married about 50 years. Married mm. wasn't really a strong thing in my family, though, mm. you know, generally speaking. And, but, and relationships could be fought. Like, I know so many people who have that similar experience. But the messages were often, you either got those negative things like, watch yourself, don't trust nobody, mm. you know, this type of thing. Or, like my mum would say, you need a man for security. Well, like, I remember being in my 20s and my mum saying to me, when I was your age, I was getting TV, oh, wow. <laughs> I was getting <laughs> jewellery, I was getting yeah. this, this, that, the other. And I go, where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, my mum did that good people thing. You know, my, my dad came from a, a, what was considered a well-known family in, mm. in, in the Midlands. And they were regarded as being very intelligent and, you know, they all had good jobs and all the rest. And my mum was like, I am in. And she was like, she thought, oh, because, she, you know, they're so respected and she was like in with the gang. This whole good people thing, you know, in, in, in our community, mm. I can really mess with it. Because, you know, so many people I hear from and they go, just don't get it like this person treats me so badly but they are loved at church everybody talks about yeah. how they're such a they're good people they come from a good family and well, it's, like, it's like when you talked about Tim and Ted Bundy because yeah. <laughs> I thought that as well. and the key this no it's yeah. uh, it's on Netflix okay it's, it's, you know about the Ted Bundy oh yes you know, yeah, yeah. yeah and they yeah. keep describing him over and over yeah. again as this good-looking, mm. yeah. you know, like that excuses like, like that, 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 that mm. basically means that you can't be a psychopath, mm. you know, because he's beautiful. Yeah, people can only be all exactly. one thing. So yeah. the, the woman says in the in the trailer uh, something like, "He's good-looking, he's smart." He's, Are you sure you've got the right guy? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> but this is something that really, really permeates all of dating mm. and relationships. Mm. This idea that you can take somebody that looks air quotes good on paper. Mm that somehow that will translate mm. into let's live happily ever after. But do you yeah. think some of that is projection because that's how we want them to see us? Yes, mm, of course. Yeah. I, I think yeah. sometimes, 
I find that people either try to find somebody who is just like them. I'm like, why are you trying to go out and find these friends? Because yeah. I, I say that that's, it's our own form of vulnerability laziness. It's like, how amazing would it be if I could find somebody who's just like me? Because then I don't have to get to know them. Because I'm already saying all these things about myself. Or we do it to plug in gaps. Oh, I don't have enough of this. So let me find somebody who's like that. Or we, it's like we sometimes choose people to speak for us. So it's like, well, let me go out with the pop, because we go for the popular, funny, we, sometimes we're going for the money or whatever mm-hmm. else, because we wanted to say, we think it says something about us as a person. Unfortunately, unfortunately, these are not reasons mm-hmm. that work well for being in sustainable, mutually fulfilling relationships. They're very, very superficial reasons to get in, and that's why we don't feel nourished by those. Mm-hmm. You choose a relationship for superficial reasons, you're not being hungry. But yeah. do you think some people even know why they need to be in a relationship? Because it does seem like it's something that is expected, like, I yeah. need to be in a relationship, but yeah. actually not know what that is. Yeah. And, and and also that whole thing about, I want someone who's just like me, that narcissism, because we all got a certain... Yeah, 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 again, we have a bit of ego, we have a bit of narcissism, but I is on a scale where it's almost like, okay, you you might as well just go and clone yourself then. Because I don't yeah. understand what is, is this? It's almost like self-self relationship. And this inability, and I, that worries me about, that you said about important about empathy, that we're losing that because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, as a, the extreme is over-empathetic, and you over-identify, and then you sort of absolve that person from doing any work to get yeah. to know mm-hmm. you. It's overcompensating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then you've got the other end where it's like, if it isn't reflective of my values and what I want, then I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah, I, Do you I, mean? I, I so, check questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually think as well that that we have to we have to be comfortable with ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that that is the thing because a lot of a lot of people are uncomfortable being alone or yeah. being on their own. Yeah. And so therefore, it's easier to be in a relationship, even if it's a hiding bad out. one, because you're hiding. Yeah, yeah. you're literally hiding out in that relationship yeah. because you'd rather be there than not be there at all, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I've been having lots of conversations with a friend of mine just recently about getting older and kind of like, you know, because quite a few of my friends are single. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like this almost fear of being single as you get older. But yeah. actually what the conversations we've been having are, you know, if you're happy in yourself and you're comfortable in yourself, those relationships come, come from friends. They yeah. come from that, that kind of, you know, richness. There's, yeah, uh, uh, there's a heavy, the heavy focus on romantic love. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with us desiring a relationship. But needing one yeah. to feel good about ourselves is a problem. And what I found as well is that and what people don't realise is that we have underlying motivations that mm-hmm. cause us mm-hmm. to be in the types of relationships that we're in. And I find in particular that fear of loss, fear of being trapped, and fear of too much sacrifice give us the perfect cast iron alibi to hide out in unfulfilling relationships so that we can hide from our potential and our purpose and the types of relationship we really want to be in. A lot of us come from backgrounds where we may have interpreted certain things that we've been maybe been through certain things and on some level we go wow boy if i was ever in a relationship i and i could be trapped that men take all your money or they leave you all alone with your kids or whichever mm. so what we do is is unconsciously we actually try to protect ourselves from ends up like our mother or being with somebody like our father or being in whatever types of relationships that we're afraid of and then the way to do that is to either avoid being in relationships at all, or to hang out with emotionally unavailable people, or even in full-on abusive relationships. Mm. 
when I talk to people about, well, let's start exploring what the underlying reasons are, it is by and large about fear of being trapped, fear of losing themselves, being overwhelmed by somebody else, fear of having to sacrifice too much. Like, if I were in a relationship, I might have to, I, people say, it's so funny when you start tapping into what's going on behind the scenes, you start going, well, I can do what I like, nobody tells what time to get up, and you're going, uh, you know, you're a grown ass woman, you know, like, your man doesn't, or your woman doesn't tell you what time to get up. Yeah, exactly. But actually, it's they're thinking about things in, like their like their parents or something mm. like that. So a lot of us are actually afraid of being in intimate relationships. We'd rather hang out in something that's it, it's painful, but we think, well, it's our comfort zone, so yeah. we can't really get much more painful than this. Another another quote again that mirrors what you know and reflects what you're saying, Natalie. So again, that question about how does your view of relationships differ from your parents? And someone said very simply. And poignantly, I wish to love without fear. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is, we're going out and we're not actually grappling. Because again, fear, if you acknowledge you're fearful, particularly with relationships, it seems like a, a, a contradiction. Then again, it means that you're weak. So you avoid having yeah. these conversations. Mm-hmm. But actually, they will save you so much heartache, isn't it, in the future? And I think yeah. also rejection. Because I would say that's in our DNA, because we'd even get a chat, you know, we. We are not valued. We're not. We, we're valued as a commodity. What we have to offer, what we have to offer, the culture and coolness, um, and the Kardashians. Um, but outside of that, you know, don't get me started about them. Yeah, yeah, whole episode yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and how they've appropriated black culture to such a degree and actually have buy-in from black people mm. in some some cases. Oh, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah which which is ooh. anyway. But the thing is that it is like, where are we in this? And how do we actually overcome the unsaid and sometimes the unthinkable about our value? Because our value, and we had to link it to slavery, was monetary, mm-hmm. um, and and we didn't benefit from that, you know. And I think that that is there. It's like our parents overprotected us. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they didn't tell us that's what they were doing, and they did it in very sort of strange heavy ways. Handed. Yeah, yeah, strange ways. Yeah, yeah heavy-handed ways. And that, of course, is going to impact on, on relationships because there's going to be so many unconscious, well, as conscious processes, because ultimately you don't want to be hurt again. Yeah. You know, hurt again. Mm-hmm. This is you thinking like that as a 15-year-old. Where on earth does that come from, hurt again? So that's something that predates us. Yeah. And I think, so I think that if we acknowledge that it is a bit more taught, you know, like you are saying earlier, Natalie, that's going to help us so much, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know? Yeah, I think that um, you were, like, thousand percent mm-hmm. so right about there are a number of factors that are coming into that and you know i think you know it must be hard when for instance black women go on dating sites and they are regarded as it doesn't matter how amazing they look mm-hmm. whatever char- characteristics they have they are apparently the least you know swipe yeah, yeah, yeah we, we, we talked about this yeah yeah, yeah. and and also then, you know, there's the, the topic of appropriation. So you're seeing women of different races who are appreciated for those same qualities that they have. But because, I mean, I don't watch Love Island, but when I did briefly watch it last year, it was too uncomfortable for me to watch with that girl being passed over mm. day yeah, after exactly day. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't watch it. I won't yeah. look. But one of the things that I noticed a lot of years back, um, particularly when I when I was single, there was a lot of there was a lot of narratives about the the lack of black men that were around. I'm sure we spoke about this mm-hmm. before. And also, we sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Look, 
if the only type of man that you're interested in is black men done all power to you but what was interesting is when i started to talk to some black women they felt as if they were being disloyal to somebody by mm. not mm. being with a black man and the thing is is that when you love a person right black white whatever right then it's not so much about because what they were assuming is I will be with a black man and automatically he will understand me and we will have mm. so much in common mm. but and this is no disrespect to any to any black men because not all black men are like that but some black men can be with a black woman and do not get her at all mm. and if anything reinforce the very things that she is already insecure about and mm. they could be with a man from another race and be very much more understood than they would be and so one of the things i say to people is just make sure you know your why so i'm talking about some of the podcast the other day a lot of people i'm not saying they don't want to be in a relationship but they feel this pressure to be in a relationship because it's almost like we've been programmed mm. to believe that we should be in one and mm, have to be in true. one by a certain age mm. and then if we have gone beyond that age oh my gosh i'm behind or whichever so yeah. we put this pressure on ourselves but also it's like are is it actually our preference our genuine preference and desire to be for instance with a batman or whoever it mm. is or is it that we are programmed and sort of obeying and following the rules because we're afraid that if we just open ourselves up to a variety of possibilities not just one look that we're afraid we're going to i don't know displease the powers that be displease our parents siblings society at large listen you ain't trying to please society at large you think that all those people are going to worry themselves about who they're going to set you up with and fix in your love life they're not they're going to sort themselves out so we have to sort ourselves out and not be holding ourselves out and feeling like we're being disloyal to ourselves or to somebody because we're, mm. we're because we want to be loved and we want to be in a relationship because you're always really open and candid about your own journey experiences you mm -hmm. know um from ireland now to, to london you know to england and um you're married yeah and you have two gorgeous daughters and and that's something you didn't see that's happening for you no. at one point mm -hmm. in your life you know and you, you, you know you've got you know, I use the word a successful relationship mm -hmm. because you apply, you're living the principles by which you yeah, advise others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, look, I, you know, my parents haven't been together since, well, my father passed away a couple of years ago, but my parents haven't been together since uh, just before I was three. I was a daddy's girl, idolized him, um, obviously observing the relationships around me, not mm -hmm. necessarily learning the greatest of lessons, uh, you know, away from my father, live with my my mum and my stepfather, my stepfather was you know, northern white and then moving to Ireland, you know, and went through this whole swath of experiences that brought me into my twenties and me realizing that I am chasing my father. And some even to an extent, even some of my mother through my relationships. And the funny thing is is that I used to put myself under a lot of pressure to be ticking boxes of all sorts. And in the end, what it really came down to is when my entire relationship with me changed, who I was within any of my relationships, not just romantic ones, also changed as well. And so I, I, before what I used to be looking for was tall, dark, handsome, uh, good sense of humor, uh, was, could be could be good looking but not too good looking so quirky was okay because i was i was worried that if, they were, if they were too good looking then you had a lot of competition and i had to have a good job and give me butterflies that was the extent of what i used to look for and i got it every single time and i was miserable <laughs> and when i did away with all of that and i all i really cared about really was who i am and, and how i want to feel uh, going forward 
I ended up meeting somebody who had actually been in my social circle for a few few years. He'd been with somebody else, but we we it turned out he was my one of my closest friends. Her my brother-in-law is her ex. He was her great love. She would refer to her this this, this other guy that they that she'd lived with at university because we all shared a house together. That was my husband. And he, when we started going out, he had a photograph of me. He's like, do you know what? And he started pulling out these photographs. It was a photograph. He'd taken a photograph of me with my friend about two years before at a wow. 30th birthday party. Oh, and neither one of us realized we were standing in front of the person who we'd end up being with wow. and having children together and all the rest. Um, but we both come from, like his parents weren't together from a very similar age mm. to mine. Uh, you know, he was you know raised by his mummy. He, he had his own difficulties in, in childhood as well. But we have been very conscious in the type of relationship that we want to be in, and, and I'm blessed to be. We're both blessed to be with people who we very much share those core values. Mm. Everything I talk about, I very much uh, you know I've learned through not just my own experiences, but observing plenty of other relationships as well. And it is that compatibility and that, that having your emotional needs met. One, because you have to be able to meet your own needs, but two, you also have to choose relationships and opportunities that are able to meet those needs too. Because mm. I would say to people, listen, ain't nobody else's job to make you happy. So the idea is not to go and find somebody to make you happy. Yeah. Like the relationship, if you're both investing into that, the byproduct of that is you will both be happy. You have to be able to take care of yourself mm. as well as each other. We have to actually come it's been so rich some of the stuff that you've talked about today has been it's been absolutely fantastic oh, it's been a pleasure so i've really enjoyed it thank uh, you ladies always a pleasure time. to have with you guys <laughs> we've come to the end of another black love bites podcast with me joy francis and me patsy Isles. thank you for joining us so we look forward to your company again when the next podcast we will have uh, the author leonie ross where we're going to be talking about sex and in particular erotica yeah we're back on that old chestnut again folks so be ready 